Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Well, thank you, Brother Kevin. Good morning. I always have to look to see if my... I'm the sound man at my church, so I always feel like I'm doing something wrong on the... Because I'm used to being back there. Listen, I don't know about you all, but I would just soon go back and sit down and have the praise band come back up and sing that last song about four or five more times. We can, uh, we can hand out tapes from the morning service, can't we? Let everybody hear the message, and we'll listen to that song a few more times. Uh, that was just fantastic. That was so fantastic. Uh, I love, and I've said it the, the, the other times I've been here, I love the traditional service. I love the old hymns. But I love this contemporary music too. I just love it. I'm a, I'm a crusty old traditional Baptist from as far back as, as I go, but I love this contemporary music too. Well, well done. What a way to, to praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm excited to be here in uh, this service. In the first service, they're both great services, but I'm under the gun in the first service. I've got to stop so people can get to Sunday school. A brother cook told me there is no time limit in the second service. So I've got a whole lot more stories and some things I left out this morning that I'll be able to get in in this service. So uh, I'm excited to be here. Now, next Sunday, your new pastor is going to be here. Amen? Excited about that? Very excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for uh, the church and the future. Uh, I texted with Brother Clay a little earlier in the week and uh, just communicated with him a little bit, told him who I was, that I'd spend a little bit of time with you. Uh, that I've been praying for him and his family as they get ready for this transition. Uh, he's preaching this morning for the last time at his church in uh, Sawyersville, and I believe he'll be here next week and moving in to the parsonage and be here late tonight. All right, so he'll probably need some help, right? <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right, absolutely. So everything's ready to go, and he'll be here Sunday morning. It's a very exciting time for them and for you all. And I'm excited with you. I'm excited with you to see uh, what will happen in this next season of the ministry of Eubank Baptist Church. Uh, this morning we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're also going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. A lot of scripture this morning, but we're going to start out in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Once you find your place there, mark it, because we're going to come back to it in a minute, and we're going to read it just like we have in times past. And once we've read this word, we'll know that we've been in God's presence, because this is God's word. Paul said that this word was inspired by God. He used the term theonoustos, which means God's breath. It's literally God's breath. It's the lamp to our feet. It's the light to our path. It's the word that we hear behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. It's our guidebook for life. It's God's great gift to us. 
and we embrace it this morning. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop or overseer or pastor, all three of those words are synonymous. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in, in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. I'm speaking this morning on the topic, He Desireth a Good Work. The position of pastor in a New Testament Baptist church is not a position to be taken lightly. It's a biblical position. It's not one that we've made up and put in our bylaws. It's ordained in the Bible. It's God called. We wouldn't want a man standing before our churches that wasn't called by God. Amen? It's spirit-led. We don't want a pastor who stands up and proclaims Jesus on Sunday to be led by popular culture. We want him to be led by the Spirit of God, right? It's biblical. It's God-called. It's spirit-led. And it's critical to the success of the local church. Now, from the conversations that I've had with a lot of you and what I've learned about Brother Clay, I'm convinced that the Lord has sent you this man. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see the work that he will do here. So I want to look back real quick just at these seven verses and look at some specifics on the position, the biblical role, the biblical office of pastor. The Bible says this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, a pastor, an overseer, he desireth a good work. It is a good work to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. It's a hard job. It's a hard work. But the Bible says it's a good work. <clears throat> it's a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. We don't want somebody who goes out and does a lot of things and can be accused of a lot of things, right? A lot of wrong things. Must be blameless. That's a good thing for our pastor. He's going to set an example, right? The husband of one wife. Vigilant. We want our pastor to be vigilant, don't we? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that we should also be, all of us should be vigilant. We should always be ready. We should be on guard. We should be prepared. That's what vigilant means. We want our pastor to be prepared, don't we? Certainly. Because all in this world that we face today, there's a lot of, there's evil and there's moral equivocation and we see it more and more every day. So we certainly want the pastor to be vigilant. We want him to know what's going on. We want him to be sober. We want him to be of good behavior, given to hospitality. You don't want a pastor that's a jerk, right? You want one that's given to hospitality and that's welcoming to people. How can you tell somebody about Jesus if you're not welcoming, if you're not hospitable? All good things so far, right? Apt to teach, that's key. Your pastor, above a lot of other things, is a teacher. He'll stand on this platform each Sunday and he will teach the Word of God. So you want somebody who is apt to teach or able to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre. He doesn't just greedy for money. 
but patient, not a brawler. You don't want a, a pastor who's, who's, who's just a, a fighter, right? Somebody makes him mad and he goes down and punches him in the face, right? Now in the first service, somebody raised their hand and said, I'd like him to punch Brother Johnny, right? They didn't really say that. But sometimes some of you are thinking, I know somebody that I'd like for him to punch. Not a striker, not a brawler. Where'd I stop? Not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? That's logical, right? Not a novice, not a new believer. You don't want somebody who's a recent convert to be a pastor. Right? You don't want somebody who's, who's a new believer to be a pastor. Moreover, because the Bible says that uh, lest being lifted up with pride, he follows in the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, without the church. Remember when I was here last, I preached the message about the value of a good report. There's a lot of value in a good report, right? And when you have a pastor who has a good report of people on the outside of the church, that's going to help him to be a better representative of Jesus. Lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. The role, the position of pastor is not one to be taken lightly. Those seven verses give us some very specifics in what we want to see in our pastor. And I'm confident that you've got the, the in, in Clay Hurd, you've got a man who demonstrates these traits. Now the position of pastor, it's not one that is meant to cater to our preferences, right? Like I said before, I'm a Baptist from way back. I've got my preferences and I've got my traditions that I love and that I have for a long time. But if my preferences get in the way of the Great Commission, then it's my preferences that need to change, not the Great Commission. Amen? So, the pastor's job is not to cater to our preferences. Here's something else that it's not the pastor's role to do. It's not the pastor's role to do our spiritual work for us. And you would be surprised at how many people think that we hired the pastor to do these things for us. That the Bible calls us to do as Christians. Now the pastor can help with that, of course. And we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes of how that works. But we don't hire the pastor to do our spiritual work for us. Some people think that the pastor serves that purpose. But listen, nothing could be further from the truth. A truly effective pastor will be working to equip you to do that spiritual work. He'll do it alongside you, and he'll help you learn to do it uh, more effectively, but it's not the pastor's role to do your spiritual job for you. A truly effective pastor will be uh, equipping you to do the spiritual work in your daily life. Now, this is the spiritual leader of the New Testament church, not somebody to cater to our preferences and our desires. Now, there are a lot of modern misconceptions about what the pastor's job is in 2023. There's a lot of misconceptions in 2023 about some things, right? Across the board, just watch the news, read the paper. There's a lot of misconceptions in 2023 about how things should be, but the Bible never changes. There shouldn't be no misconceptions in 2023 about what the pastor's job is. It's not his job to cater to our desires for a certain style. It's not to be a, a nursemaid and to make us feel good all the time. We talked earlier about, you know, sometimes you get your toes stepped on in church, right? That's not a bad thing. But like Brother Cook said, it's more important to have your heart impacted in church. And an effective pastor is going to do that. He's going to impact our heart and he's going to spur us on to go out into the public and go out into our lives and spread the Great Commission. Now, I've been in church services where the pastor just beat the snot out of the congregation and they crawled out feeling like dirt. Do you think that they were very effective that week? 
No, now sometimes the pastor needs to be very, very clear and they needs to be very uh, transparent with their congregation. But you want a pastor who's going to encourage you to go out, to discipline you and encourage you to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Usually I preach a message very similar to this in churches where I served as an interim pastor. And I preach just about, usually about a month before a new pastor comes. So some of these things I'm just going to fit in. And I usually ask these three questions when the church is looking at calling a new pastor. I ask these three questions. Will this man, and we'll just put our names in here, will Clay Hurd lead Eubank Baptist Church to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ? Will Clay Hurd lead the members of Eubank Baptist Church to live out the Great Commission in their everyday lives? Will Clay Hurd help Eubank Baptist Church reach more people for Jesus Christ and disciple them into a growing relationship with Him? I think those three questions are fundamental. And from everything I've learned here recently over the past couple of weeks, I believe you found your man. I believe he's going to lead the church to be more effective for Jesus and reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a thousand different ways to accomplish these tasks, right? Different people have different ideas. Different people have different ideas, and many are effective. And just because it's something that you may not have done before doesn't mean it's not effective. Brother Clay is certain to bring new ideas into this church, isn't he? And for me, one thing in the church getting a new pastor, that's one of the exciting things. Because other people learn things in other places that might be effective here. They bring in new energy and new ideas. So I'm looking forward to some of the new ideas he may have. And I'll say this, don't be afraid of trying something new. As the late Pastor Adrian Rogers said, he said, The message, the message of the gospel never changes. But the methods that we use to spread that gospel can change. The way we need to reach people in 2023 is a whole lot different than it was in 1973 or 1993, even 2003. So we can change our methods or we can use some new methods to preach the same message. So as we think about the pastor and the role, the biblical role of the New Testament pastor, I think there are two models that we can look at in the Bible. There's the shepherd model. Versus the hireling model. And you've heard your pastor referred to as the shepherd. The shepherd model. The biblical model for the shepherd pastor is who? Jesus. That's always the answer, right? It's like in Sunday school. What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus is the biblical model for the pastor shepherd. We sing the song, He's the great shepherd. The rock of all ages, almighty God is He. It's in the song we sing, but it's also in the description that Jesus gave himself in John chapter 10. So turn over with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. I don't think this Bible has John chapter 10 in it. Okay, there it is. Let's say it was there earlier. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. Jesus said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, 
for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then Jesus said to them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The hireling versus the shepherd. I think in Clay Herd, we found the man who's going to come and pastor in that shepherd model. And that's what we want, right? We want the good shepherd. We want somebody who's going to represent the good shepherd and care about the sheep. Now, there's also the hireling model. What is a hireling? That's not really a word that we use much anymore. The New American Standard Version, which I usually read from, renders that term as hired hand, an employee. That's what a hireling is, right? Just somebody that you hire for a job. I worked for Walmart for 17 years and ran a couple of different Walmart stores in Louisville and Cincinnati and Indianapolis. And, and we just had, had to hire anybody that showed up. You know, and sometimes I know we think that around here too. You go into Walmart and you think these people just hire whoever shows up. So that's what a hireling is. Somebody who just shows up and somebody you hire to do a job. A hired hand, an employee. Now if you view your pastor as a hired hand or merely as an employee of the church you're missing the biblical principle. The shepherd cares for his sheep. The hireling flees when there's danger. Which one do you want? Sure, certainly we want the shepherd, and I believe in Clay Herd, you've got a man who's going to come in and model that biblical principle. Now notice the distinction between the two. <clears throat> One's not close to the other, is it? It's in two opposite extremes. Now if there was ever a time that we needed godly shepherds, preaching the Word of God from pulpits, it's now. There's so much moral equivocation. If you watch the news, you see it all the time. You see sin normalized on the news. You see sin normalized on social media. Our kids see sin normalized all day long. They see sin normalized in their classrooms despite the best efforts of some godly teachers the curriculums that are coming into the government schools equivocate morality. What's right for you may not be right for some, or what's wrong for you may not be right for others. But listen, if there was ever a time that we needed shepherds in the pulpits preaching the absolute truth of God's Word, it's right now. Now, I'm convinced that you have that man coming. I'm excited for the future of Eubank Baptist Church. But what I want to do this morning is look at a, some specific ways, <clears throat> excuse me, this morning I want to look at some specific ways that we can support and encourage your new pastor shepherd as he comes in this week. He's been a pastor before, 
But he's not been pastor at Eubank Baptist Church, right? He's coming from a completely different area. He's coming from two and a half hours away. So there's going to be some transition time for him. So here's some ideas that I've put together over the year, years with some help of some other folks and ways that you can help prepare and help support your pastor in these early days. Number one, and this should be at the top of any list, and that's pray for your pastor every day. Pray for him. Brother Kevin and I were talking just a little while ago about sometimes it's almost a cliche, right? Well, I'll pray for you. Yeah, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. But man, that should be first. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous person avails much. Pray for your pastor. Something that we're almost expected to say, but there's no greater comfort for a pastor than to know people are praying for them by name. I can literally feel people praying for me at times. On especially uh, stressful days, I sense God's protection by the prayers of God's people. I believe in prayer so strongly that I've always had a personal prayer team that supports me in my ministry. I shared with the first service that I was up at the high school, up at Lincoln County High School. I spend a lot of time there, great relationships there, and I'm able to do a lot of ministry in there. So I can just hang out most of the day if I want to. And Thursday, I was just hanging out most of the day, and I was sitting on a bench during, during class uh, back in the back vestibule, and our um, uh, Family Resource Center director, a lady named Amy Baston, who's also our FCA faculty sponsor, she came by and she said, oh, Kevin, I'm glad to see you. She said, I just wanted to tell you that you've been on my heart. The Lord laid you on my heart this week, and we prayed for you in my Sunday school class. You know how much that meant to me, for her to stop me and tell me that? And she talked to me, and she said, well, here's what we talked about in the Sunday school class, and I told him this, and I told him that, and we prayed for you. That really made a difference to me. Pray for your pastor. Here's five specific ways that you can pray for Brother Clay. Pray for God's favor upon him. That God will just rain down his favor and his presence in a way that he can't deny. Number two, pray for uh, his spiritual vitality. Because let me tell you what, he will, if he isn't already, experience spiritual warfare during this transition. The devil doesn't want you all to have an effective pastor. He wants you to, to, to not have an effective pastor that's going to lead you in the Great Commission. So he's going to endure some spiritual warfare. So pray for his spiritual vitality, his spiritual energy. Number three, pray for him to be a bold leader and a vision caster for the church. Number four, pray for his whole family. Pray for him and for Brittany and for, for Mary Ellen because they're a package deal, right? Pray for all three of them. As they make this transition. And number five, pray for his physical health. Sometimes we, we, we focus solely on the spiritual and we forget about the physical, but pray for his physical health. It takes a lot of energy to pastor a church. Next, love and honor the pastor's family. This includes helping them acclimate to the church. Because this is a new church for them, right? They've been here and they've met you all, a lot of you. But they don't know this church. They don't know this community. They don't know you as individuals. Now, for me, the times I've been here, this is my third time here, it's just felt like old home week for me each time. Because I know so many of you, and there's so many connections between this church and my church at Pleasant View. hasn't bothered me. I felt right at home. And I feel like I could come back any Sunday or any Wednesday and just be like, hey, Kevin. And, but it's not going to be that way for Brother Clay at first because they don't know everybody. So help his family acclimate to the church. And they've got little Mary Ellen. Help her to acclimate. It's a time of transition for her too. 
Give them some family time at home during these first weeks and months, not less, because it's a transition time for the whole family. They're going to be stressed out. There's going to be some stressors. There are going to be some things pulling them in many directions. So love and honor his family too. And the more you love and honor his family, the more you're loving and honoring him. Amen? Next, tell the pastor your, and his family your name each time you meet him. He's got a lot of names to remember. Some pastors are wonderful with names, some aren't. It's a gift, and I don't have it. I do my best to learn names as, 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 as often as I can, but he's going to be learning a lot of stuff. He's going to be learning a lot of names, telling your name. Tell him your name for the first couple weeks, the first couple months, especially if you don't have regular contact with him. Tell him your name. Tell him again and again. Learning names is a difficult thing to do. And I'll just say this. <clears throat> Most people, when they say this, they don't mean anything by it. But don't try to, don't ask him the, you don't remember my name, do you? Because let me tell you what, he, and you don't mean anything by that when you say that. But he wants to remember your name. But for some people, that's going to make them feel like, oh, I should know it, but I don't. You know, don't add that anxiety to it. Just tell him your name. Tell him your name for a couple weeks until he says, you know, I got it. I got it, Johnny. You know, three years in, you don't have to tell me anymore. <laughs> but give him time to learn your name. Tell him your name. Tell Brittany your name. Tell Mary Ellen your name. Don't forget his little one. Next, don't expect Brother Clay to read minds. You're not a mind reader. A lot of people think, and I, learn, I read a lot about new pastors and new pastorates, and one of the frustrations is when a new pastor came, comes in and everybody expects him to know everything that they know. Right? He should know that I've been the chairman of this committee for 30 years. Well, he's not been here for 30 years. Right? Don't expect him to read your mind. Don't expect him to know everything that's going on in the church. One of the frustrations for new pastors is being held accountable for unstated expectations. He doesn't know what's in your mind. Talk to him. Let him know. Don't expect him just to know things. Next, don't gossip about the pastor or his family. I've got all kinds of stories of, of, of real-life examples of where people have gossiped about the pastor and his family in the first week or two of arriving at a new church. I'm going to, well, I debated on whether or not to tell you this. I was helping a church one time, and I had a lady come to me, and she said, she said, do you know who the new pastor's going to be? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, what's his name? And I said, well, they don't want to say yet for the same reasons y'all just now had here, you know, let it be on his time frame. And she said, well, do you know anything about him? I said, well, I know a little bit about him. And she said, what does he look like? I said, I don't know. I, she said, is he big? I said, is he? See, I that's why I debated on telling you this. I said, well, I'm, she said, what size is he? And I said, well, he's about my size, probably a little bit taller. She said, and she whispered it to me, is he heavy? And I'm thinking, what, what, yes, that's exactly what I said. I was like, why would you ask me these questions? What does that have to do with anything? And so I'm thinking that if she's asking me these questions, are they talking about it with, 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 with others? Why would that matter? Why would that matter? Don't gossip about the, about the pastor and his family. And listen, that's a true example. That's not one I read in a book. 
That's one that was said to me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So don't gossip. And not that anybody here would. These are just in general, right? <laughs> Be a positive voice for the future. Stop gossip in its tracks. Stop rumors as soon as you hear him. Did you hear about what he did at that last church? No, and I don't want to know. Next, speak encouragement to your pastor. He's going to need a lot of encouragement in these early, in these early days. Say things like, Pastor, I'm here to help you. You'd be surprised at how, how just something that little goes a long way. Just let him know that you're here to help him. Give him a blank check. Let him know that you'll do whatever he needs and mean it when you tell him. Find positive things that you can encourage the new pastor and his family with. Send him a handwritten note. Handwritten notes are wonderful. I love texting too, right? You know, we, we'll send a text, hey, but a handwritten note really still means something today. Send him a note. The first weeks and months can be a stressful time that could lead to some feelings of being overwhelmed or feeling insecure. And a lot of times we think, well, a pastor shouldn't be insecure. He should be bold and a leader and ready to go. Let me tell you what, pastor is human just like all of us. There are times when he's going to feel insecure. Now here in just a minute, we're going to watch a short clip uh, from one of the greatest Bible teachers, in my opinion, who's ever lived. When you think about Dr. Charles Stanley, you probably don't think about insecurity. You see a bold leader. You see somebody who boldly boldly for about 70 years preached the Word of God. But watch this little clip about Dr. Stanley and insecurity. But I wouldn't change anything about what God's done in my life for the simple reason I felt very insecure. When it came to being secure or insecure, I was very insecure. In fact, as I look back, I think the more insecure I was, the better off it was because it drove me to his knees, my knees. God I can't do this. How am I going to do that? What, what are you going to do? And the wonderful thing about God, you don't have to worry about him showing up late. He's going to always be on time. Amen. He's going to give you exactly what you need. No matter what's going on, he'll be there Amen. when you need him. I've watched that clip a million times. Dr. Stanley died just a few weeks ago at the age of 90. And I'm so thankful for the ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. Um, I'm thankful for modern technology that even though he's gone to his reward now, InTouch.org, and this is a commercial for InTouch, InTouch.org, you can, you can watch all of Dr. Stanley's messages on YouTube, on, on, on the, the, the InTouch app. You've got about 50 years of material from Dr. Stanley. I've learned more about the Christian life from Dr. Charles Stanley than from anyone else. But here's the point in showing you that clip. You heard him talk about insecurity. And when he was insecure, what did it do? It drove him to his knees. He sought God's help when he was insecure. So if Charles Stanley can be insecure, doesn't everyone deserve to be shown some grace when they feel insecure? And point him to Jesus. Show him that encouragement and that grace when you sense some insecurity. Because most people in leadership roles, they don't want to show that insecurity. They don't want to show it. I know I've not wanted to show it. But listen, if you sense it, say, let me show you this clip from Dr. Charles Stanley. <laughs> and how he dealt with insecurity. Now think about a, a young fellow who's just uprooted his family and moved two and a half hours away to a new church and a new community. Be completely natural for him to feel sometimes a discouragement or insecurity.
Speak encouragement to Brother Clay and Sister Brittany, and especially little Mary Ellen, because she's part of this too, as they begin to serve with you, encourage them. Next, introduce the pastor to leaders, leaders in the church, leaders in the community. It's helpful if the pastor knows uh, these influencers and who they are and who they're going to encounter during their ministry. Now, it's easy for us because we live here, right? We grew up here. We're from here. We know who's who. But somebody coming in from outside doesn't know who's who. Now, there's enough leaders in the church, right? Because like most Baptist churches, like our Baptist church, we got 27 committees and 32 teams and 16 support teams, and they all have a leader and a chairman and so forth. So we got leaders in the church. we got leaders in the community. Help him learn those people. Introduce him to people you know. Next, don't expect your pastor to be everywhere. And then that's it. Man, I tell you what, we just got a new pastor back last summer. And it's easy to do that. Hey, come look what we're doing over here. Look what we're doing over here. Come with us here. We're doing this here and all these great things. There's a lot of great things happening, but he can't be at all of them at the beginning, right? He needs some time. No human being can be everywhere at the same time. Now, he's going to want to be. I guarantee it. If you invite him to go to something, he's going to want to be there. But he's not going to be able to do everything at the beginning. Give him some time. One of the most powerful words, one of the most useful words for a pastor or a ministry leader is to be able to say no. But it's one of the hardest words to say too. I'm here to tell you in my experience, there are times when I've overextended myself and burnt myself out spiritually and physically because I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I wanted to be everywhere that I could. And I'm sure Brother Clay's going to be the same way, but give him some grace. Don't expect him to be everywhere at once. Next, let Brother Clay set the pace. It's going to take a while for him to figure out his stride in the new church. It's going to take him a while to figure out the personalities in the church because there's some personalities here, amen? There's some personalities in all churches. If you go up there and ask, they'll tell you that I'm probably one of them. There's a lot of personalities that he's going to have to learn. There's going to be a lot of things that he has to learn. So let him set the pace at the beginning. Give him some understanding during the time as he settles in, not in just to a new role, but that his family settles into a new home and a new community. He's going to want to make every visit. He's going to want to be in every place, but he's not going to be able to do it. Now, depending on the size of the church, and this is a pretty good-sized church for our area, he's going to have a lot to do. But there's only so much time in a day. Now, just because he doesn't make it to your thing doesn't mean that it's not a priority and that it's important. But it's just that there's only so many hours in the day. Let him set the pace at first. They may not move as fast or they may move too fast for your preferences, but let that pastor, let Brother Clay set the pace at the beginning. Next, and this is a hard one too. It goes, it goes along with uh, just a, don't offer a million suggestions in the first week. And I know we have, you got to rein yourself in because you've got a lot, of good, a lot of good ideas. A lot of good things are going on in this church. Brother Darrell and I were talking. He said, he said, we're a very active church, and you are. I've loved to see all the things that, were, that goes on at this church. I love that you all had that event in this room last night with the inflatables. I was a little disappointed that I didn't get here early enough to be able to roll down one of the, the inflatables. But you got a lot of things going on, and there's a lot of good things going on, a lot of, of things out into the community. you got the, fo- the food pantry, a lot of good things going, a lot of things happening. He's going to want to learn about all that, but don't offer him a million suggestions in the first week. There'll be time for him to learn everything that's going on, but he needs time to learn the church. 
Now, most likely you're doing, and you already are doing, tons of good things. Give him some time to learn them. Don't overwhelm him. How many of you? Well, I'll skip that. Let him learn who you are as a church. Don't give him a million ideas. All in the first week. Give him the ideas. It's not all in the first week, right? Next, don't prejudge their performance. A new pastor will make mistakes. He'll do things differently. Don't measure Brother Clay against your last pastor. Now, from from all accounts, Brother Hughes was much loved here, and he was here for quite some time. But Brother Clay Hurd is not Brother Scott Hughes. Two different people. The church I grew up in, we had the same pastor from 1979 to 1999. 20 years this man was our pastor. Fantastic leader that I still get to to interact with today. Our church grew at an explosive rate during those 20 years. We were a lighthouse for Jesus, made an impact all around that still felt today all these years later. But when this pastor left in 1999, I, I would not have wanted to be the guy who followed him. Because no matter how many things this guy did right, there were always going to be people who say, Brother so-and-so did it this way. And he was here for 20 years. You know, you can never live up to somebody else's expectations. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't diminish what the, the other guy did. But the new guy is not the other guy. Don't hold him up to <clears throat> a different standard. Learn about him. Learn about his personality. Learn the way he does things. Learn uh, his methods. Don't judge or don't have any expectations on him based on things that have happened here in the past. I see that a lot. People assume that I only want to work with teenagers because that's the vast majority of my ministry. 98% of my ministry is teenagers. Love teenagers. Love them. But that's not all of my ministry. So sometimes people make assumptions about ministries and about expectations. So give Brother Hurd time to get his feet under him and don't prejudge their performance. And lastly, I'll say this. Extend the honeymoon period. Y'all know what a honeymoon period is, right? You, you know, you've got that, those first few weeks or months. Give him an extended honeymoon period. That he can get used to you, that he can get used to the church, that he can get used to the community, he can get used to a new home, and that he can help his family do those things. Give him some grace and give him some time. Honeymoon periods are usually too short anyway. If the pastor begins to make changes during this honeymoon period, some people say he's moving too fast. If a pastor doesn't make any changes during that honeymoon period, some people think he's moving too slow. They need time to learn you and you need time to learn them. Keep learning and supporting and loving them. Give them an extended honeymoon period. And the more loved and supported and accepted that he feels in the first weeks and months here, the more effective he's going to minister while he's here with you for the next, what do we say, Brother Cook, 40 years? 50? Yeah. And he's a young man too, so it could happen, right? Extend that honeymoon period. And lastly, like I said, usually this message would come about a month before a new pastor came. And I know he's coming next week. But I'll just throw this in for good measure, and that's fix what is broken. I mean this literally and figuratively. Every church, every single church has some sort of baggage or issues that are ongoing or arise periodically. There is no perfect church. Did you know that? There is no perfect church. Adrian Rogers said that if you find a perfect church, you better not go there because you'll mess it up. 
And I, I know that's true for me. If I, if I find it, I'd go right on by and say, I don't want to mess that up. There is no perfect church. But there are churches like this one, and I've seen this over the past couple months, who are striving to fulfill the Great Commission. And I'm glad that he's coming here to a church that uh, a lot of good things are happening. A lot of good things have been done. A lot of things have been fixed. And I, I, use, I said literally and figuratively, I know some work's been done over in the pastorium. I've read accounts where new pastors come into churches and the door hasn't been opened in three or four years and they're in there killing spiders and, and combing down cobwebs. You know, but, that, but y'all fixed the parsonage up. We were talking about it earlier. He can come in with a fresh start. He can come in focused on ministry and not focused on scrubbing mold out of the shower. I should have sent him pictures of, of some, some parsonages that new pastors uh, encountered. But it sounds to me like you all have already done that. I know Brother Clay is going to appreciate it. Let his primary mission when he gets here be getting to know the church, building relationships with people, and finding ways, new ways, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community. This is an exciting time for Eubank Baptist Church. It's an exciting time for the Herd family. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for them. I can't wait to, we've talked that we're going to get together after he's been here for a little while, because I'm not going to give you a million suggestions in the first week, right? We're going to get together, and I'm excited to see his plan, and, and, and your plan, and how you all will work together to impact this community for Jesus Christ. I'm very excited about it, very excited about it. Now, I want to do something a little bit different <clears throat> during the invitation time this morning. I want to take our invitation time and I want to dedicate it as a time of prayer for Brother Clay, Brittany, and Mary Ellen Hurd. I want us to take this time to come up to this altar and pray for Brother Hurd and his family. Like I've told you before, I'm a Baptist from way back and I, I love a good altar call. And to see an altar filled of people praying to God. Now, you don't have to come to an altar for God to hear your prayer. But there's something special about it, amen? About coming to that altar on a Sunday morning and praying. So here in just a little bit, Brother Kevin's going to come and, and lead us in an invitation song. But during that invitation, come up here and pray. Come on your own. Come with your family. Come with the folks who are sitting by you. And just come and dedicate this time in praying for this new season that your church is embarking upon. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the time that... We've had here this morning, I thank you that you have prepared and sent your servant, Brother Clay Hurd, his wife Brittany and daughter Mary Ellen, here to Eubank Baptist Church to serve you, to serve and to lead and to impact this community for Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as the herds come, I pray that you give them, uh, that you give them grace and peace and 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 patience and just let them feel your presence lord so that they may tackle this new season and this new assignment in your name that they'll do it in your name that they'll reach in this community in your name and with your love father i pray for this church that they'll embrace brother Hurd and his family that they'll work together that they'll walk together that they'll love together as a family of faith to reach people for you Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.